Greetings in our Lord Jesus Christ and welcome to Christ Church of Livingston County Teaching Ministry. Christ Church is a member of the Communion of Reformed Evangelical Churches, Tyndale Presbytery. The following audio recording is from a Covenant Renewal Liturgy at Christ Church. We trust you will be edified and ministered to by the Holy Spirit through this audio recording. As we come to celebrate Christ's resurrection this Easter, we're also reminded of why such a sacrifice was even necessary. God himself allowed the circumstances to turn so quickly that in just one short week, Jesus went from being joined and given a triumphal entry into Jerusalem and then given a hurried trial on fabricated charges. He then had the populace turn their backs and cheer his death sentence. And by Friday, he hung on a cross and was dead. The events of that first Holy Week are the crescendo of God's story. Holy Week is a good time for us to reflect on our own sins. How am I in need of forgiveness? Of course, we're all fallen with Adam, but it's not just our fallen nature that needs forgiveness. It's our particular sins, my sins that could not be pardoned but by Christ. We, we need forgiveness for unkind words towards the ones we love the most, for justifying our inconsiderate behavior towards our spouse, for disobeying our parents, being mean to our brother and sister, our lustful thoughts, for eruptions of anger, for all our manifold shortcomings, shortcomings that stare us in the face each day. That triumphal entry, which marked the beginning of the Holy Week, it was triumph. Christ did not remain on the cross. Christ did not remain in the grave. Christ did arise, and when he did, the debt was paid for our particular sins. Because he came, because he died, because he rose, because he is seated with the Father, we can confess our sins together and plead for his forgiveness, which he so readily is ready to give. Blessed is he who comes to the end of the Lord. I invite you to kneel where you are and you will. Gracious Heavenly Father, thank you for giving us your word. Thank you for the word of the apostles and all the New Testament writers that decided that it would be an important thing for us, the church in the future, in all history, to have the account of Jesus' resurrection. We pray that your Holy Spirit help us and open up our minds as well in our eyes as well, and may our hearts burn within us, and may you believe. In Jesus' name we pray. Just a little background here, you can see in the first verse here, this is the first day of the week. It is Sunday. It is, uh, if you go to the uh, Hebrew calendar, you may remember uh, three days ago, Jesus, Jesus was delivered as the Passover lamb. And, and now it's Sunday, which means we are here in the first Hebrew month, the Nisan. And we are now here in the resurrection day, the 15th of Nisan, which is the feast of the first fruits. 
Our brother Brio just uh, read for us from uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 15, and Paul says, If Christ did not raise from the dead, in vain is our hope, is our faith. And later on, I think verse 23, chapter 15 of 1 Corinthians, Paul is going to say, Christ is our first fruits, but then we are the harvest. We'll be the, 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 the second one. So it's very important, the resurrection uh, for all the gospel. You can see all of them wrote about the resurrection of Christ. And today, I just want us to navigate through this passage. Uh, not giving too much attention for every detail here, but trying to see their response to Christ's uh, resurrection. And, and the first thing that we're going to see here is the disappointment that they had in seeing the empty tomb. So the empty tomb was not enough for the disciples. And speaking about disappointment here, let's see first the women. Uh, Peter, uh, sorry, Luke says the women here are Mary Magdalene, Joan, and Mary, the mother of James. And you see that there, are, there were other women here. But Luke says that the women come to the tomb because they know where Jesus has been placed. They were following Jesus after the, the, the crucifixion. So on Sunday morning, very, very early in the morning, they, they, they bring the spies along to anoint his body. And that shows that their love, their affection for Jesus, but also their faith and courage. Because, I mean, he has been crucified. Who, who, who wants to go to a, a tomb of a guy who has been crucified to take care of him? Perhaps you'd be the next to, to be crucified. But here we have the women, and according to Mark, as they were coming, they were wondering how they would roll away the stone because it was very large. So by faith they went, but they didn't know how they would roll away this huge, very large stone. And as they got into the tomb, they saw that the stone had been already rolled away. And as they will figure out later on, the stone was not rolled away so that Jesus could come out. Because as his disciple was locked in the room, Jesus got inside that room in a miracle way. So they, they could conclude here that a stone was ruled away, not because Jesus had, to, Jesus had to get out, but because they need to get in and see the empty tomb. So they discover later on of this empty tomb, instead of bringing joy, instead of changing their perspective about Jesus. And their perspective is what? That a dead person remains dead. But after seeing the empty tomb here, nothing changed. There is no assurance. There is no joy. Rather, verse 4 says that they were perplexed about the empty tomb. In other words, the empty tomb is not enough. Eastern is not just about the empty tomb. As we're going to see our, in the, our second point, Eastern is about going back to God's Word. That will be the main point for me here in Luke chapter 24. 
So the empty tomb was not enough to change their perspective about Jesus' death and resurrection. They were perplexed, meaning they were lost in their way. They were confused, in doubts, inwardly disturbed. That's the word uh, perplexed means here. And why they, they are feeling in that way. And here we have the reason why. Because they have a short-term memory. And we suffer from that as well. How many times we forgot God's words? How many times we forgot God's promise? We just stick with the bad news. So here we have this woman suffering from a short memory, short-term memory. We got the good news. It's very clear because they, they, they brought spies to anoint Jesus' body. They didn't believe. They forgot. And why they brought that? I mean, it's pretty interesting because the Egyptians, different from the Jews, the Jews did not attempt to embalm bodies, but simply encased them in a strong perfume burial clothes just to mask the stink of decay. So they went there because they have a short memory and they didn't believe. And they should know about Jesus' resurrection. As the angel is going to say later on, Jesus had repeatedly, repeatedly predicted his resurrection. Three years of ministry, Jesus kept saying, I had to be delivered. I have to suffer. I have to face death. But I will rise again. Just as God for us today, every week, every day that you open God's word, He keeps saying the same thing for us. There is forgiveness. There is mercy. There is grace. But again, we suffer. Still in this falling uh, body, we suffer from uh, short term memory. And how sad it is when God's people forget His word, His promise. How sad. And what is the consequence when we do forget God's promise and word? We end up in the wrong place. You're not supposed to be in the tomb. You're supposed to be in Jerusalem and waiting as we're going to see now here as we move to these two disciples on the road of Emmaus. But their problem is not only a short-term memory. These two guys here are suffering from a confused heart, a misunderstanding of God's promise as well here. Verse 14 and 16. And they were talking with each other about all these things that had happened What things? They had heard everything. They had heard from the women. They had heard from Peter who saw Jesus. We cannot see the chronological aspect of this event here. But they had heard from Mary who had met Jesus. They had heard from the empty tomb. They had heard from Peter who saw Jesus. But they are still confused here. So the response that they had was what? They left Jerusalem for Emmaus and wondering about what had happened about Jesus being crucified, buried. And they were disappointed. 
they were disencouraged, they were burdened in their hearts. They had expected Jesus to be, as you see here in their words, when they were talking to Jesus, what things? And then they say, we were expecting that he, you deliver us, deliver Israel. In which way? Politically, of course. Their expectation was that Jesus was not so much a religious leader, but a political leader. The king who would deliver Israel from the tyranny of the Romans. So they were looking for a king, but their king's mission had been cut off short, and they got confused. Why? Because instead of having a scepter, Jesus had nails in his hands. That brought confusion to them. Instead of having a throne, Jesus had what? A cross. Instead of having a kingdom very visible, their king was in a narrow tomb. So that brought disappointment for them. But they didn't know that the story was just half done here. They hadn't seen that Jesus had turned the Calvary into Easter. They, they don't want to wait. They don't want to trust. That's why we don't wait sometimes, because we don't trust. So their sadness and disappointment was rooted in misunderstanding. A confused heart. And see here in verse 19, 24, they, they, they got everything right. All the facts were right. But they came up with the wrong conclusion. I was, I was just reading so many times as they were answering Jesus. Jesus, said, Jesus asked them, what things? And listen how they answered. They said to him, to Jesus, Concerning Jesus of Nazareth, a man who was a prophet, might indeed in word. How is that possible that you can believe in Jesus' words and Jesus did, but make no connection with his mission. His word, his did before God and all the people. I know he came from God. We know that he came from God. He's a prophet. And how our chief priests and rulers delivered him up to be condemned to death and crucified him. But we had hoped that he has the... He, he was the one to redeem Israel. He's a wrong vision about Jesus' mission. I was posting my Facebook about these two disciples. I have a lot of friends who support liberation theology. I know if you know about liberation theology, but Jesus' suffering, Jesus was a victim. Victim was not really divine, sent by God to die. He died as a Messiah because he embraced so much the messianic prophetic words in the Old Testament. It was just a mistake, Jesus' death. And I was putting in my Facebook, here we have two disciples of Jesus who was holding liberation theology and got so confused. Because in their minds, there was no divine appointment here behind those things. So he was crucified, and he, they kept saying to Jesus, all 
the testimony here, we had a hope that he has be, he be the one to redeem Israel, and yet, yes, and beside all these, it is now the third day. Really? Yeah. And since these things happen, moreover, some of women of our company amazed us. How? They were at the tomb early in the morning, so what? And went and did not find his body. Really? The third day, did not find his body, so what? All the facts, they got right. But they came with the wrong conclusion. Why? Why? How is that possible? It's very simple. Every time that they look to the Old Testament, they never make any connection with the victorious king, with the suffering servants. They create a dichotomy between the theology of glory with the theology of suffering. They, they never saw those things together. And many of us have the same vision today. Many Christians get discouraged because they don't, don't fully understand the scriptures. And when they know the scripture, they don't believe. And that's the, thir the third problem here. The disappointment of a disbelieving heart. Verse 11. The women came to the apostles and said, I, I, the, the, the tomb is empty. And they didn't believe. They didn't. And I was speaking about the apostles here. Perhaps because uh, in Jesus' day, women were not considered to be credible witnesses. But there is a problem here. And Jesus is breaking the, the, the cultural you know, mandates. Don't list the women. You know them. They're faithful women. Why don't you believe? And there is the, the negative side here. As I'm saying here, you know, they, they are not believing. They are holding their cultural mandate. Don't, don't believe in women. So perhaps that's why they, uh, they didn't believe in the women's report here. Rather, they received their report as an idle tale. Silly talk. No sense. But don't use this word when your wife is speaking to you. They're wise women. They are godly women, faithful women. They were supposed to listen. So that's the negative side. But that is the positive side here. Because it is important for us to note, notice here that the disciples were not expecting Jesus' resurrection. They're not. And that's good. Because later on, the Jewish leaders will try to um, accuse the disciples, the apostles, of what? Of fabricating Jesus' resurrection. And that was a great opportunity. But they didn't. No, we're not going to take this report. We want to see it. They were not easily fooled. You know? They don't go so quick for everything they hear. They want to verify. They want more proof, evidence. And that's the positive side for us as Christians in our day. Every year, every decade, we see some new doctrines. And we go so easy. But the, the apostles, no, we want to see. So that's the positive side here. But again, unbelief is a failure. Unbelief is a failure to respond to God in trust, in faith, 
Now, when Jesus appears to his disciples personally in his resurrected body, things were, were not initially different. Verse 36 and 38 says, and, and as they were talking about these things, with things, again, the empty tomb, Mary saw Jesus, Peter saw Jesus, and now those disciples here uh, from Emmaus saw Jesus, the breaking of the bread. As they were talking about these things, Jesus himself stood among them and said to them, Peace to you. What amazing words. They were frightened, locked in their room, as we are sometimes when we have the silence of the bad news, you know. You don't see nothing. You, you know the truth. You know the word. But nothing makes sense right now. And then Jesus comes and says, Peace to you. Calm down. But they were startled and frightened and thought they saw a spirit. After everything, they still think that Jesus in front of them was a spirit. It tells us that people believe. The question is, is not whether or not people believe or don't believe. People believe. The question is, in, in what kind of Jesus you believe? Spirit. Just a mere spirit here. And Jesus said to them, Why are you troubled? And why do doubts arise in your hearts? See my hands and my feet. That is I myself. Touch me and see. For a spirit does not have flesh and bones. As you have seen I have. And when he had said this, he showed them his hands and his feet. And why they were still... Why they... They still disbelieved for joy and were marveling. He said to them, Have you something to eat here? They thought they saw a spirit here. Pretty interesting. After all the evidence. And, and again, here is where the Eastern message begin, begins its, its work by challenging our centeredness, our conceptions, our wrong presupposition about Jesus' person and mission. That's the call for Eastern for us, to challenge us. So Eastern is about God's call to His people. As we're going to see now, it's a call for us to return to God's Word. The empty tomb was not enough. Of course, the resurrected Jesus before then was an amazing, huge, important, crucial evidence. But there is something even beyond that. It is God's Word, as we're going to see here in our second point. And again, all these three groups, the women, the disciples in the road of Emmaus, and then the apostles, you see that Luke focused on the message instead of the empty tomb or just on Jesus and his resurrected body. Of course, it was important. But God's word explaining all these events is above everything here. Listen to the women. Verse 4 and 7. 
why they were perplexed about this. About what? The empty tomb. Behold, two men stood by them in dazzling apparel. And as they were frightened and bowed, up, and bowed their face to the ground, the man said to them, Why do you seek the living among the dead? It's a thief, you know. Why? He's not here, but has risen. Now listen, remember how he told you. Remember his words while he was still in Galilee, that the Son of Man must be delivered into the hands of sinful men and be crucified, and on the third day, rise. So here is a call for these women to return to God's words. That's the call for us in Eastern. Every Sunday, God calls us to His Word to remember. And there's a kind of uh, rebuke from the angels to, uh, for this woman here to recall, to return to God's words. And here, it's specifically a call for them to go to the Old Testament message about Jesus' resurrection, about Jesus' suffering and death. And the angels brought this word about Jesus himself that runs counter to what this woman knows to be true. But the focus here is not the angels. Oh, the angels. It was not the angels that convinced those women. It was the message. Focus. The focus here is the message. Not the messengers. It's pretty striking that the women encounter the resurrection of Jesus Christ through this message. They are told that Jesus had reason, but they do not see the reason Jesus himself. But they believe in the message. So what they had was the message. And through this message, their memories were restored to its, uh, to its uh, redemptive focus here. And verse 8 says, they remembered. It was not the angels. It was not by seeing the angels. It was by hearing God's word. As Paul says, faith comes from hearing. And again, we see the same situation with those disciples on the road, on the road of Emmaus. Verse 14. And they were talking about, they were talking with each other about those things, about the empty tomb, Mary uh, testimony, Peter testimony that had happened. Again, I said they, they, they got all the facts right and still got the wrong conclusion. And like the angels, Jesus rebuked them by saying, Oh, foolish ones. We don't like these words. But we can replace for a better word in our days. Oh, stupid. <laughs> and it's low of heart to believe in all the prophet had spoken. You see Jesus? Jesus, first of all, Jesus didn't look to them and say, Look me, my hands, see her. No. Remember, go back to what the prophets had spoken. It's a call for them. Beginning, beginning with the Moses, sorry, verse 26. 
Was it not necessary? The word necessary here has a divine sense. Was it not necessary that Christ should suffer these things and enter, entering his glory? And beginning with Moses and all the prophets, he, Jesus, interpreted to them in all the scriptures the things concerning himself. A lot of things for us to unpack here. Very important. Again, first of all, was, was it not necessary? Jesus' death, as I was saying, was not an accident. Was divinely necessary, appointed by God. Was not a mistake. Why it was divinely necessary? Because only by shedding his blood, we would have the forgiveness of our sins. It was necessary to suffer. It was necessary for him to die. What are you talking about? How could he redeem Israel without shedding his blood? What kind of theology have you learned from the Jewish leaders? And the answer was, as I said, the theology of the glory. The triumph. But they forget, as Jesus was trying to show to them in his word, suffering precedes glory. The suffering lamb precedes the victorious king. So sin necessitates death, sacrifice. That's the testimony that they got from Moses, from all the scripture. What are you talking about? If you want redemption, you cannot have redemption without blood, forgiving of sin, a ton of sin without blood. Another thing here, listen how Jesus answered them. Oh, foolish is one. Jesus could have said, I know, guys, it's very difficult to understand the Old Testament, you know. Yeah, let's give a discount here. Don't, don't worry. Even to the women, that is the same rebuke. Jesus did not blame the scripture because the scriptures were very clear and still clear for everyone who opened it. Jesus blamed them. There is no easy way here to get away from Jesus right now. It's your fault. You are the stupid one. Oh, but... It, you know, no, 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 you are the one. Jesus put the blame on them. But graciously, isn't it amazing that Jesus walked with them? Just as he walked with us in our doubts, in the midst of our, our doubts, I mean, questioning him in our minds, where are you, God, right now? And he walks with us. And still opening our minds through the Holy Spirit today. And it's just amazing how he does here. He keeps walk, walking with them and beginning with Moses and all the prophets, Jesus interprets to them in all scripture. I mean, it was a seven miles conversation. It was a Bible survey conference. Can you imagine Jesus going to Genesis chapter 3? You know that passage that says... Um, um, I am the, the, the seed of the woman. You didn't get that? 
I am the seed of the woman who shall bruise the head of the serpent. And the serpent shall bruise my heel. That's what just happened right now. Perhaps Jesus kept in, in Genesis 3 and said to them, you know, you know what's happened with Adam and when he were, were covered by the scheme of a ram? It is I. I am the true ram who covered and atoned for the sin of this world. I mean, we have so many passages. He could have gone to Genesis 6. The water, the divine waters of judgment through the flood. I'm the true ark. I am the true ark. You, you missed that. Perhaps Genesis 22, when Isaac were being offered by Abraham, Jesus could have said to them, you were the Isaac, the church. I was the run caught in the sticks. And so many passages. Remember Exodus 12. I am the Passover lamb. How could have you missed that? Perhaps the prophets Isaiah 53. What a beautiful picture. And so on. And he did the same with his disciples. Verse 44 and 46. And then he said to them, these are my words that I spoke to you while I was still with you. That everything must, everything, sorry, everything written, written about me in the law and the prophets and the Psalms, your Bible that you have today must be fulfilled. So, Jesus really, really called his church, his people, his followers, his disciple, to go back to his word. So Eastern for me is a call from God to us. Go back to scripture. We don't have and we will never have the need to see an empty tomb. But scripture is full of evidence for us. That's what Jesus wanted the early church to focus on. You can see how he vanished from those disciples on, on the road of Emmaus so that they could not focus on his body because the point was the scriptures. So the consequence of all of this is the proclamation of a convinced heart. After hearing from the angels and remembering Jesus' word and having their memory restored and being convinced through the word and believe the faithful women went to the apostles and told the good news. They started to proclaim the good news. I mean, I, I don't care if you're going to believe or not in women. I'm going to tell the good news. They started to break the cultural mandates of their days. It's a call for us. Come and see what better saying. Read and believe. Go and tell the Eastern mandates for the church today. Read and see and believe. Go and tell. And later on, the two disciples on the road of Emmaus as well, after having 
a Christocentric conference with Jesus himself. What a privilege. Regarding the scriptures um, testifying about Jesus' resurrection. After seeing Jesus blessing the bread and breaking and receiving it from Jesus as we're going to receive today, their eyes were opened and they confessed. But listen what they confessed here. Verse 32. Did not our hearts burn within us? When? While he was breaking the bread? No. Did not our hearts burn within us while he talked to us on the road? While he opened the scripture to us? Even the signs of the blood and the body of Jesus with, without the word is, is, is meaningless. So while he talked to us on the road, while he opened the scripture to us, and they went back when the apostle was locked in their room, and they also shared the good news with them. And we know from Matthew, Luke does not report uh, the apostle's response here about uh, uh, this proclamation of a convinced heart. But from Matthew 29, 28, verse 9, it says, And behold, Jesus met them and said, Greetings. When Jesus appeared here in Luke, now Matthew gives us a new insight here, saying, And behold, Jesus met them and said, Greetings. And they came up and took hold of his feet and worshipped them. They start to proclaim glorious worship to Jesus. The conclusion and the question for us is who we are here? Let's finish with this question. Who are you here? The women who got first, who is suffering from a short term memory? Perhaps these two disciples in the road of Emmaus, who knows everything, had the opportunity to really understand everything. You have all the facts right, but always get into the wrong conclusion about yourself, about what Christ has done for you, or are you the apostles here? Doesn't matter who you are. Doesn't matter what kind of suffering you have, because the cure is one and the same for all of us, God's Word. You can see that. That's the point of Eastern, to call us to God's Word, to remember it, to remember, to, to, to recall the good news. And may God help us to do that, not just today, but every Sunday, and even in our house as we open His Word and have our minds restored, our eye open. And praise to God for that. Let's pray. Gracious Heavenly Father, we, we are so glad, we are so thankful that we have your holy, inspired, um, complete word for us. We don't have an empty tomb. And in fact, we don't need. We don't need. He's not there. He's risen. Our Savior is risen. 
and lives in us. So we are so thankful because we do have good news. May all your spirit help us in our struggle, in our short-term memories, in our confused hearts, in our unbelief to recall, to remember, to run to your word and be enlightened by your Holy Spirit again and again and how many times we may need. Thank you for your mercy, your grace in walking with us all the day of our lives. We thank you and we worship you, Lord. And we praise you and pray as you taught us God's love for his people didn't end at that empty tomb. It was in that last week of his life on earth that he established the Lord's Supper. And even again, if you hear the, the same in what uh, Pastor Andrade talked about today, even when he came back, you know, in making, making his statement to the disciples, he said, he broke the bread, and that was breaking the bread, the words when he said, you know, he broke the bread and gave thanks. That was his reminder. It tied back to just a week earlier when he had broke the bread for his disciples the first time. And here again, God's love is extended to us as he invites us to commune with him. It's because of Christ, his love, his care, his compassion for you. I welcome you to Christ's table. Thank you for listening to this audio recording from Christ Church of Livingston County. If you would like further information about anything in this recording, the Bible, about Christ Church of Livingston County, or wish to make any other related inquiry, please feel free to contact us through our website, ChristKirkMI.com. That's C-H-R-I-S-T-K-I-R-K-M-I.com. Again, thank you and blessings.